Welcome to Mariner's Church Online. I'm so glad that you could join us like this as we continue to journey through unprecedented times together. Something that I want to say on behalf of all of us is how much we miss you. As great as these online experiences have been, they pale in comparison to what it's like when we come together. I miss the sound of your voices. I miss your singing, your shouting. And for the few of you who dance, I even miss your dance moves. I can't wait for the day when we can come together to do this again in person. Something that I know and love about our church is that we know what it means to worship through the storms of life. And today it is no different because Jesus is still king and we still belong to him. And so because of that, we will give Jesus the best of our worship, the highest praise. And no matter where you're joining us from or what you're facing today, you can stand, you can sing, you can shout. And my prayer as you worship with us is that you would come face to face with the hope that is found in Jesus. So why don't we worship together our anchor in the storm, Jesus.
Oh 
And it's such good news to remind ourselves in the middle of a crazy time that despite what's going on around us, we are his sons, we are his daughters, and we will not be forsaken. You will not be forsaken by your father who loves you in the midst of everything that is going on in your life. Mariners Church, I am so proud of you. This last month has been crazy. Not a month that we would have imagined as a church, but you as a church are looking for opportunities to serve people in our communities. You are serving people on a daily basis. Our kids ministry, our student ministry are finding ways to meet and to gather. Our life groups are gathering. Mariners Church, in spite of not being able to gather physically together, the mission of God and the message of Jesus is going forth through you. And I am so, so proud of you. I've got to be honest. This is our fourth time doing this. And some of you have wondered where it is we're meeting. This is actually the chapel. And so most of you gather for worship in the, in the big box or in the worship center. But this is, this is our chapel. And we're so grateful for the opportunity to turn this chapel into where we are broadcasting our services during, during this time. And I was, I was anxious when we started this several weeks ago because, and you've heard me say this before, about half of the giving that takes place at our church happens online, and about half would happen in the offering boxes that we have at the, at the back of the worship center. And the reason I was anxious is because I'm like, Lord, this is the time when the church has always thrived, when things are chaotic and when things seem dark. It's when God's people are the light of the world and when we are able to serve people outside of us. And so... I did not want to see the mission of our church shrink back at all during this time. But I was worried. I was like, God, what about the people who've been giving physically in those offering boxes? Are they going to understand to you know, tr- change their giving to online? And I'm so grateful that, that many of you have done that. So thankful for your generosity. And if you still have not moved from the physical offering box to digital giving, you can do that right now. And we have the, the number that you can text on the screen below. And I invite you to join, to join God in what he's doing, to be generous because God's been generous to you. One of the ministries that your generosity supports is our ministry to exceptional families. Exceptional families are those families that have a child or a teenager or a young adult with a disability. And we love these families so much in our church and in our community. And these families are so strong and so resilient. Their faith is amazing. Their strength is amazing. But the coronavirus and all the implications of the coronavirus has brought some disruption. There are concerns about compromised immune systems and medical needs and having social opportunities just removed from these families. And so our community care team wants to serve you if you are an exceptional family. We care and we're here for you. If you need errands, if you need social support, if you need prayer, our team wants to come alongside you in this moment. And so if you are an exceptional family and if there's anything that we can do for you, we have a number right here on the screen and we want to serve you. And so you reach out to us and let us know how we can help. And we want to come alongside you in the the difficulty of this season. And some of you, you're looking for an opportunity to serve and you can join our community care team. We are looking for opportunities to serve people in our church and also in the 34 cities in Orange County. And we have new opportunities that are coming up every single day. And if you want to help, you can join our community care team and help people outside of us. And so you can use that text number as well. Well, let's pray. And I want us to pray now for the exceptional families in our church, in our community. 
that God will sustain them in the middle of this struggle. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you that you have made us your sons and daughters, those of us who have trusted you. And I pray now for the exceptional families in our church. I pray for the exceptional families in our community. Would you please bless them in this season? As much disruption has come upon them in the last several weeks, I pray for your peace in the midst of chaos. I pray for your joy in the midst of uncertainty. And Lord, would you please help our church to serve these families well and to serve these communities well. I pray that your hand of blessing will be on them this new week. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Church, let's continue to sing and worship together.
that song so much. He is Lord of all, even in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of a storm. But where do we look? Where do we look when things are so crazy? Where do we look in the middle of chaos? Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, his mother gave him just incredible counsel on where to look when things are crazy and chaotic. Take a look to see what she told him. You know, my mother used to say, long time ago, whenever there would be any really cat catastrophe that was on the, in the movies or, or on the air, she would say, always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. That's why I think that if news programs could make a conscious effort of showing rescue teams, of, of showing who, uh, medical people, anybody who is coming into a place where there's a tragedy, to be, to be sure that they include that. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Look for the helpers, because when you see the helpers, you will know there is hope. So profound. This pandemic that we're in now is different from other catastrophes, though, that we have faced. 
Oftentimes when there's a tragedy or a catastrophe, it happens in a localized area. So there's Hurricane Harvey that hits Houston, or there's the earthquake that hits Haiti. And then people in Houston and people in Haiti are able to look outside of themselves for people coming from the outside to help them. But here in a global pandemic, there's no part of the world that is not traumatized by what's taking place with the coronavirus. So we can't look to some other group of people in some other city to come help. So where do we look in a moment like this? Where do we look? Some people look down. Some look down. And maybe you found yourself looking down this week because the news is so bad. As you constantly read your social media feed, there's always going to be some news that causes you to look down. And things seem so broken and so depressing. And is this whole world built on this house of cards? Can everything just fall apart so fast? Maybe if you're superstitious, you thought, All of this is happening because I didn't forward that email to the 15 people. And if they said, that email said, if I don't forward the email, then something bad's going to happen in my life. And philosophically, this is known as nihilism. Nihilism is where we believe we look down and everything is broken and everything is sad. So some people in the middle of a tragedy, in the middle of chaos, they look down. Other people in the middle of a chaos, in the moment that we find ourselves in, they look within. And they believe that, yes, things are bad, but we can fix it. We're looking within and we're resolved that we can make things right. And while these people are more optimistic than those who look down and we enjoy being around these people more at at first, in time, their promises can sound hollow and divorced from reality because things really are broken. But those who look within and think we can fix this, we can make things right ourselves, that and philosophy is known as humanism, that we're able to make things right in our own effort, in our own grit. So some look down, some look within. But the Christian faith offers a completely different way to look. It actually affirms aspects of both views. It affirms aspects of those who look down and those who look within. But it offers a better and a more beautiful alternative. The Christian view says to those who look down, you're right, you're right, things are broken, but they're not going to stay broken because we have a redeemer, a rescuer who is one day going to make everything right. The Christian view looks to those who look within themselves and says, you're right, things can be fixed, things can be transformed, but we aren't the ones who do the fixing, we aren't the ones who do the transforming. The Christian view of what is going on in the middle of a chaos is less burdensome than looking down and way less pressure than looking within. It is the liberating reality that we can look up, that we can look up for our helper, and our helper is ultimately the Lord. Movie critics and people who love watching movies, many believe that The most famous battle scene or the most epic battle scene in film history took place in the Lord of the Rings trilogy in the Battle of Helm's Deep. In this battle scene, the good guys are surrounded by the bad guys and the evil forces are encroaching on where the good guys are. They're in this castle and and people are encroaching in on them and it looks as if everything is lost and that they are doomed. But in that moment, they remember what their leader said. Their leader, Gandalf, told them, 
on dawn at the fifth day, look to the east. Look to the east on the dawn of the fifth day. Because Gandalf had left to go get the reinforcements. And, and so they, they're there and they're thinking there is no hope. But they remember the promise from their leader, Gandalf. And so on the dawn of the fifth day, they leave the castle and they're being attacked. But they look to the hills. They look to the east. And there is their leader, Gandalf. And yes, they still have a battle. And yes, things are tough. But they are not left in the battle alone. They look to the hills and their leader is there. Their helper is there. And today, we look not within, and we don't look down, but we're going to look up to the hills to where our help comes from. We're going to look at this very famous psalm in Psalm 121. And for some of you, this is your, your favorite psalm. It's, it's many people's favorite psalm, and we're going to see where our help comes from. We're going to look not within, not down, but we're going to look up to our helper. Notice what the scripture says. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where does, where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel will not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is at your right, is right by your side. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. The Lord will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. This is a famous psalm and a powerful psalm, but it's going to mean much more to you if you understand the context of the psalm, if you understand really what's taking place in this psalm. It's one of the Psalms of Ascent. You'll notice that if you have your Bible open in the prescript. It's a psalm of ascent. Well, what does that mean? It means this is a psalm that God's people would sing and quote to themselves as they made the ascent to Jerusalem from the different towns that they lived in. And so they would go up to Jerusalem to worship and they would sing the song or repeat this psalm over themselves as they walked on this journey. So this is a song for a journey. It's a song for a journey. And the journey that the psalmist was on was a difficult journey. It was not an easy journey from the towns in which the people resided all the way to Jerusalem. It, it, it was not an easy journey. It wasn't a stroll in the park. This was a challenging journey to take. And the reason it was challenging is because the sun would be scorching on them. It's why the psalmist says, you're my shade. It was a challenging season because there was bandits and robbers in the hills that would come down and try to rob the people as they made the journey to Jerusalem. So the journey was not easy. It was extremely tough and extremely challenging. And it's a picture of the Christian life because the Christian life is a journey. The psalmist was on a journey to the city of Jerusalem, and those of us who are Christians, we're on a journey too, but we're on a journey to the city of God. We are going to be with him in eternal paradise one day, but here and now we're in this broken and cruel world, and we're on a journey, and the journey is not easy. Just like the psalmist who feared people from the outside attacking him, oftentimes people in your life will take advantage of you. The psalmist understood that the elements around him were difficult, and we are in a season now where we're reminded that there are things around us that are challenging and difficult. The journey is tough. 
There's some really bad theology that makes its way onto Christian paraphernalia or Christian uh, gifts. And here, here's an example of that. This is a, uh, a mug. I, I do not recommend you have this mug at your house. And if you do, it's really cheesy and you should get rid of it. Uh, not only is it cheesy, but it's completely untrue. Um, the mug says, God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. Maybe you've seen that on Instagram and liked it because it sounds, it sounds like, oh, that's so awesome. God's never going to give me more than I can handle. And, and not only is it on a, a mug, there's actually, there's even an iPhone case that says, God will never give you more than you can handle. And all of that sounds so nice, but it's completely untrue. It's not true at all. Oftentimes, God gives us more than we can handle, so we'll realize that we should not live with the pressure of trying to handle all of this life in our own. Oftentimes, God gives us more than we can handle, so we'll cry out to Him for help. Oftentimes, God gives us more than we can handle, so we'll look past all of the mountains and all of the tough times we're going through, and we'll look to the hills, for the Lord is our helper. Oftentimes, He gives us more than we can handle, so we'll get to the end of ourselves and cry out to Him for mercy. Oftentimes, this journey is tough, but tough times God will use to create soft hearts in us. The psalmist is on a journey, and it's a tough journey. The psalmist also says that he looks to the mountains and he's asking himself, where is my help going to come from? Where is my help going to come from? If you read the Old Testament, you'll understand that in those mountains are little G gods, are idols. Now, now, kids, if you're watching, we talked about this in our family worship service this last week, that in the Old Testament, God's people were tempted to not worship the capital G God, our God, but they were tempted at times to worship little G gods. And in those mountains, the Canaanites had set up high places. If you, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that phrase, high places. It's where poles were set up and statues were set up of false gods, of little g gods that the people were worshiping and that people were invited to worship. So when the psalmist says, I'm looking to the hills and I'm wondering where my help comes from, the psalmist is tempted to try and find his hope and his help in something other than God. And in a moment like we are in right now, we're, we're tempted to that as well. Where is our help going to come from? It's a fair question. And, and we look at the landscape all around us, and maybe you have wondered, where's my help really going to come from? And so we can be tempted to look to other things other than the Lord. The psalmist was tempted. He's looking to the mountains, and he's saying, okay, where really is my help going to come from? And in this moment, we can look to statistics to be where we find our hope. And we can wake up every morning and we can see how the st what the stats are saying and we can find our hope in those statistics. Or we can look to binge watch on Netflix. This is so stressful. This is so crazy. If I can find a new show to throw myself into, then maybe I'll get through this season. Or, or we can look to a political leader. And if this political leader makes the right calls and makes the right decisions, then everything's going to be okay. Or we can look to the market. And if the market will bounce back and do what I want it to do, then everything's going to be okay. We are tempted, just as the psalmist was tempted, as we look to the mountains to see some hope in something else. But the psalmist says, no, I'm looking 
into the mountains, but where does my help come from? It's not going to come from those other things. My help comes from the Lord. He is where my help comes from. And the same is true for us. The statistics will one day disappoint us. A political leader will one day fail us. We'll find a Netflix show that doesn't occupy our attention and the market will ebb and flow. Those other things, even as good as some of, they, some of them are, they will not be our ultimate help. So the psalmist says, my help, my help comes not from the mountains themselves. My help comes from the God of the mountains. He looks to the hills and he says, in those hills are bandits that want to hurt me. In those hills are false little G gods that I can worship. But no, I'm taking my eyes off the hills and I'm looking to my helper. I'm looking to the Lord and the Lord is my protector. And notice as you read Psalm 121, notice how much the Lord protects the psalmist. The psalmist says that he's with me in day and night, my coming and my going, now and forever. So the psalmist says, the Lord is my helper and my protector, and he's always with me. That's why I can look to him. And so where do we look in a crisis? We look for our helper. And who is our helper? Our helper is the Lord who protects our coming and our going day and night, now and forever. That's where we look. Look up, not within, not down. Look up. And so what do we know about our Lord from this passage? What do we know about our protector from this passage? I want you to write down three things that we know that we just see in this text about our protector. Three things that we know is true about him. Number one, if you look at verse two, the psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens and earth. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Our protector is the one who created the heaven and the earth. He is the creator, not the created. He is the maker, not one who has been made. And so that means that he is strong and sturdy, that you can look to him and he doesn't change, that you can cast your eyes on him and your gaze on him. And he is the same yesterday, today and forever. We can look to him and even in moments when things are so difficult, like the moment we find ourselves in now, when it feels like darkness seems to hide his face, we can rest on his unchanging grace because he is the cornerstone who doesn't change. When we sing that song, I think about a story that I heard when I moved to Southern California, the story of Florence Chadwick. Take a look at this video. On July 4th, 1952, Florence Chadwick attempted to swim the Catalina Channel. It's over 20 miles from Catalina to the California coast. And she got within one mile, but she stopped. She was exhausted. She gave up. The reason she gave up makes complete sense. There were sharks swimming around her. The water was treacherous. There were actually people in the boat firing shotguns into the water to scare the sharks away. The fog set in and she could not see the shoreline. And because she did not see the shoreline, she didn't realize how close she was, that she was within a mile of finishing. Two months later, Florence Chadwick attempted to swim the Catalina Channel again. And this time she completed the race. She actually crushed the best men's time by over two hours. 
And the reason she was able to complete the Catalina Channel this time is she had a mental picture of the shoreline. She imagined the shoreline the whole time she swam. Now, she wasn't imagining something that wasn't real. She knew the shoreline was there. She had stood on the shoreline. The shoreline is true and real, and she was simply reminding herself of what she knew to be true. In our Christian journey, as we swim and we navigate oftentimes treacherous waters and it feels like things are against us and the fog has set in and we can't see clearly at times, in those moments, we must remind ourselves where our help comes from, that we look to the one who helps us, the one who is sure and certain. And even when darkness seems to hide his face, we can rest on his unchanging grace because he is sure. And we remind ourselves that he is sure. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He will not be moved. We can trust him. So number one, he is the maker of heaven and earth. This is the God who protects you. And number two, he is the God who keeps his promises. He keeps his promises to you. Notice what the psalmist says in verse four, indeed the protector of Israel. Now, what does that mean? The psalmist is telling himself, this God protected Israel, was faithful to Israel, and I know this God will be faithful to me. And why is this so important? Well, this is important because in the Old Testament, God chose to set his affection and his love on Israel, and he promised to keep them to himself, to keep loving them. Israel made promises to God. Israel said, we will worship you, we will follow you, but they broke their promises. They didn't only worship God and only follow God, and yet God was still faithful to them and protected them and kept them. He often used hard times to soften their hearts, but he kept loving them and pursuing them in the middle of their wandering. And so the psalmist is saying this, this God has been faithful to Israel, he's gonna be faithful to me. He's gonna keep his promises to me. He's not going to let me slip, the psalmist says. Which, let's be honest, you can read that and sometimes you can ask yourself if this is really true. Verse three, he will not allow your foot to slip. Because in this moment, it feels like things are really slippery for some of you. It feels like this life is really slippery and uncertain and it feels even as if things are slipping through your hands. It's a painful moment. And talking to many of our life group leaders and parents this week of graduating seniors, it feels for you, graduating seniors, like your dreams of the last three months of your senior year are just slipping through your hands. Hopes that you've had are just slipping. Hopes, moms and dads, that you've had for this time in your life, it feels like it's just, it's just slipping through your hands. There's small business owners in our church that you have spent the last decade of your life building a business and it feels like just in a couple of weeks, things are slipping through your hands. There's some who this season in your life, you have planned it to be so special. You're having your first child or you're getting married and all of the plans that you had for who would be in the delivery room or who would be at the wedding those plans have just slipped through your hands and this is such a painful time for you. And so you can read a verse like this where God is saying, or the psalmist is saying that he's not gonna allow me to slip and you can wonder, is that really true? And I've, I've wondered at times, to be honest, as I've had painful moments and questions and doubts in my journey, 
God, is this really true that you're not letting me slip? Because things feel really slippery right now. It feels like dreams that I've had. It feels like hopes that I've had are slipping through my fingers. And so I want you to understand what the promise here really is. This is not a promise that everything in this life is going to go perfect. In fact, this psalm is written because everything in this life won't be perfect. This is a promise that he is going to hold you in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the chaos. He is going to hold you now and forevermore, the psalmist says. Day and night, coming and going, now and forever, he is going to keep his promises to you. He's going to hold you. This life is going to be slippery. In this life, things will slip through your hands, but he promises to keep you to himself that you will always be his son. You will always be his daughter. He will never leave you or forsake you. And though darkness hides his face, you can rest on his unchanging grace. Jesus spoke about this in the Gospel of John. I want you to see what Jesus said about his promise to hold you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Here's what Jesus promises to you. Even though it feels like things are slipping through your hands in this moment, you will never slip through his hands. Even though it feels like things are slippery in this moment, you will never slip out of his grasp. You will never slip out of his love. He will always hold you and keep you to himself. He is the promise-keeping God who holds you now, and he's going to shepherd you and hold you all the way to eternity. And so here's the promise in the passage. He won't let your foot slip. He's the promise-keeping God, and he holds you now all the way till eternity. And when we are there with him forever in the eternal city, when we are with him then, Everything that is sad now will be undone. Everything that is sad now will be made untrue. Have you ever had a bad dream that you wake up from and you're so excited when you realize that the dream is only a dream, that it was only a nightmare, and now it's untrue? I've, I've had se several of those. One of them is about you. I, I, after being your pastor for the last year and a half, there's multiple nights I've woken up, and this is a crazy dream. I don't know why I keep having it, but I dream that I'm running late for church and I'm, I'm going to preach and I show up and I preach in my boxer shorts I'm, and I can't stop preaching. So I'm preaching a message and I'm in my boxer shorts and you're staring at me and you are horrified and you're choosing in that moment to never love me again. And then I wake up from the dream and I realize it was a dream. Oh, yes, that was only a dream. In a moment, everything that was sad became undone, everything that was horrible became immediately undone. And there's been more serious dreams. There's been dreams where I've had in the middle of the night, I, I wake up and something terrible has happened to one of my daughters or something terrible has happened to Kay. And I wake up and Kay's there next to me and my kids are in their room and everything in a moment, everything in a moment that was horrible is undone. Everything in a moment that was depressing is made untrue. And I want you to know 
that he holds you and he keeps you to himself from slipping and he holds you through this life. And one day you are going to see Jesus face to face. And in that next life, when we are with him in the eternal city, everything that is sad now will be undone. Everything that is horrible now will be made untrue. A day is coming, church. When there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more shame, no more disease, no more coronavirus, no more cancer, no no job loss, no more bankruptcy, no more fear, no more uncertainty, no more trauma in your life. A day is coming when everything is made new and everything is made right. And you are standing before your father, your everlasting king in complete peace and complete joy and everything that is sad is completely undone. It will be as if we wake up from a nightmare and we are with him in everlasting glory. That day is coming and he's holding you and he's keeping you and he's not letting your foot slip until that day comes. That's what it means that he keeps his promise to you. So number one, he's the maker of heaven and earth. This is the God who you can look to. We look to him in the middle of a crisis. We look to our helper. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the promise-keeping God. And then number three, I want you to see this. Number three, he is the God who never sleeps and he never slumbers. He's the God who never slumbers and he never sleeps. He's always awake, he's fully alert, and he's always watching over you. He never takes a power nap, he never um, takes a, a, a day off, he never stops watching over you. The scripture says that he never sleeps and he never slumbers. When I was in college, there were a couple of nights that I, I pulled an all-nighter. And, and college students, you, you, you may relate to this. It's actually pretty effective. You stay up all night and you cram a semester's worth of learning into one uh, six-hour power session block. And, and it's effective because you're only uh, dumping it into your short-term memory and then you forget a whole bunch of it after, but you have to do it to get through the test. And so I pulled, up some, I pulled off some all-nighters when I was in college. I stayed up all night. And so so here the, the passage is saying that he stays up all night, all the time, always watching you. The problem is, is when I stayed up all night, I was um, smart for the test, but pretty much dumb in every other part of my life. I remember one time uh, going to take a test after pulling an all-nighter, and I was in shorts and a t-shirt, and it was, it was freezing outside. It was like in the 20s outside, and I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and somebody in class is like, hey, bro, um, did it's freezing outside. What are you doing in shorts and a t-shirt? And I remember saying, and this sounds so dumb, but I actually said it. It was warm in my room. Yeah, it was warm in my room, but it's not warm outside. In other words, I, I was useless in most things in my life after I stayed up all night. But the Lord, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. And he is fully attentive towards you and he's always God and there's no deficiency in him and he's able to care for you and watch over you at all times because he never sleeps and he never slumbers and he's fully effective at being God all of the time. All of the time he is. He is the God who always watches over you and he, he watches over you not like some of you are watching Zoom calls now. 
You know, I, I can see, you know, you, when you do a Zoom call now, I mean, some of us are already Zoomed out of Zoom, and you're doing a Zoom call, and you can look like you're paying attention while you're working on something else. And I know, I know some of you do it. I do it. You can look like you're tapped in, but you're actually working on, on something else as you're on the Zoom call. But when the Lord watches over you, he is fully attentive towards you. He's not zoned out as he's pretending to watch over you. He's actually watching over you. So where do we look in the middle of a crisis? We look for our helper, and our helper is the Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the promise-keeping God, and he watches over us because he never sleeps and he never slumbers. In 1918, the Spanish flu started to ravage all across the world. And at that same time, this little Christian booklet was written, and the title of the booklet was called Focused. And this little booklet was written encouraging people to turn their eyes upon Jesus in the middle of the craziness. A hymn writer named Helen Lamel, she was so inspired by this little booklet that she wrote a hymn that became famous, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes on Jesus. The psalmist looks to the hills and says, where does my help come from? Now listen, those hills were right outside of Jerusalem because the psalmist was on the way to Jerusalem to worship. And those same hills Years after Psalm 121 was written, in those same hills, our Savior King put himself on a cross in our place for our sin. And we turn our eyes on Jesus, the one who has given us everlasting life, because on the cross, Jesus, if you will, for, if you will call out to him and turn your eyes toward him, he takes your sin upon himself and he gives you all of his forgiveness. In those same hills, the Son of God was crucified and he invites you to turn your eyes upon him, to turn your affection upon him, not to look down, not to look within, but to cry out for help. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Let's sing this together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange.
Amen. We will not be shaken because of who he is. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you as we end our service. But I want to let you know what's happening Holy Week. This is Easter week. And so on Friday, we're going to have our Good Friday services released for you online. It's an experience that you can have at home at any time you desire. We're going to instruct you on how to take communion and we're going to teach on Jesus on the cross. And it's an important time for us as Christians because on Friday, we remember that all of our sins were placed on him. And so that's Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday is our Easter celebrations. We're going to have 10 different services on Saturday and Sunday. And this is an incredible opportunity for you to invite friends and family and coworkers and neighbors. It's super easy this year to invite people because it's all online. And you can just send a link and an email. You can text. And we have tools to help you. And so if you look at the website that we have on the screen, you can go there. And we have tools that you can use to invite friends and family Next weekend, we're going to celebrate Easter, and we're going to celebrate that Jesus is alive. If there's ever a time we need to be reminded that Jesus is alive, it is, it is this moment we find ourselves in now. Well, let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Will you open your hands and receive God's blessing? Maker of heaven and earth, promise-keeping, never-sleeping, never-slumbering God, I pray that you will bless your sons and daughters this new week, that you will remind them that you hold them, that they will never slip outside of your grasp, that they will never slip through your fingers, that they are yours now and forever. Protect them, watch over them in their coming and their going, day and night, now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.